Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Welcome back to another exciting week, Mike. It is. It is an exciting week. It is negative four outside today. It's cold. Yes, it's, cold. it's a cold one here in Madison, Wisconsin. But you know where it's hot? Hot, hot, hot. Where it's going to be hot? Where is it going to be hot? It's going to be hot at the frequency in Madison this oh, weekend. Oh, yeah. Hey, so this is some good news, everybody. <laughs> We've got new music for you. We've got a new official release that we're doing uh, Saturday, January 14th. If you are in Wisconsin, in Madison, come see us. Where, where can they come see us, Wendy? They can come see us at the frequency. And it's the Dartboard Records Showcase, which is a record label we're working with. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be several bands. It's going to be so much fun. And these are songs that we developed right here on the podcast. So they're, they're yeah, based on actual, all of the songs on the CP, in fact. They're based on actual podcast episodes and songs that we wrote for them. We developed them, took them to a big studio, and uh, they're there for your listening pleasure. So if you're in Wisconsin, we know a lot of people listening in Madison uh, come out and party with us at the Frequency on Saturday, January right. 14th. We'll be playing at 10.30 p.m. Uh, yes. and, if, and if not, if you're not in Madison, I know a lot of people are outside of town, you will be able to hear us and previews of the EP and stuff like that. Streaming, we'll have several podcasts and live appearances on the internets. Yes, this week is chock full of radio action. They can find that at our <laughs> Twitters. Where's our Twitters? At Other Side Talk. Yeah, you'll find that. We'll have that on there. Or the actual band is at Sunspot Music, and you can find it there. So just anyway, we were really excited about uh, having a new EP coming out of songs that we developed here with you guys. And uh, we can't wait for you to hear them because they're awesome. Very, very, very exciting. Always fun launching some new recordings out into the world. So yeah, I'm pumped. So that's been fun. You know what else, Wendy, has been fun is that um, we've been doing like little facts and little videos for each episode for maybe the past like three months now, four months. Factoids, if you will. Like for little factoid videos, little preview videos. And we've been, we've been putting them out on our Twitter too, but they're also at our YouTube channel. Oh, that's right. And I know and we're where's just- Where's that, Mike? We're just sitting here throwing out social media stuff. Um, you can find that uh, sunspotmusic.com slash YouTube. Yeah, where you would go to find that. And as long as we're on the social media. Yeah, we might as well. Pimping and promoting. We might as well invite everybody to join us on Instagram as well. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, the user Other Side Podcast. And so make sure you find us there. So anyway, so there's a lot of fun ways. We have a lot of cool stuff that's coming out in 2017. And we We want you guys to, if you enjoy everything, uh, to be able to check out all some of that. The fun things we're doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, and we just... We love interacting with people who listen to the show. So, you know, that's the best way you can do it is on the socials. Yes. So go on the social media. And number one, I want to hear from everybody after they listen to this podcast, what their favorite story about Bigfoot is. Ooh. Because this is our first Bigfoot-centric podcast. True. Now, we've had a couple of cryptid podcasts. Yes. We've, we've like definitely... The Roundtable. We've talked about Bigfoot. We've, we've talked about him several times. We've never had like a Bigfoot-centered episode so this is about the man himself one episode all for bigfoot all for these big feet so if you have a favorite bigfoot sasquatch skunk ape yeti <laughs> abominable snowman story tell us on any of our socials other side podcast instagram other side talk twitter uh sunspotmusic.com slash youtube you can take a video of yourself telling your favorite story and we will put that and we will post that repost yes. that for everybody now, I haven't personally had any Bigfoot experiences, but... You haven't seen the Bigfoot? I've heard with talking to such experts that this area, some of the wooded areas in Wisconsin might be prime Bigfoot lurking zones. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go running through there, I'm always kind of looking for little clues. Sure. Or, you know. Well, my first Bigfoot experience was Harry and Anderson's. <laughs> and that's when that I... does not count as a Bigfoot experience, That's Mike. when I saw Bigfoot for the first time. <sighs> uh, that wasn't real? Okay, I'm sorry. John Lithgow is just such a good actor, but um, <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous because like Bigfoot lives with them, uh, <sighs> and they made a TV show too, Harry and Henderson's TV show. They had like oh, when, yeah. you know when they ever make a spinoff TV show, they don't have any of the act- actual actors. They just bring in like the TV names to do it. Right. But I was a faithful watcher of the Harry and Henderson's TV show as well, and they, it was they brought out Harry less. Well, you are basically a Bigfoot expert then, I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. Right? Those are all, I've had several Bigfoot experiences, and they've all been in front of a screen. 
Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I've met people that actually have, you know, had Bigfoot experiences. And, and our interview yeah. today is with a professor from Eastern Illinois University, journalism professor, who wrote a book called Monster Trek, The Obsessive uh, Search for Bigfoot. Joe Gisandi is his name. And uh, he gets in and he interviews, you know, dozens of people that have had these Bigfoot experiences. And what makes his book cool is it's not just about uh, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the skunk ape. It's not just about that. <laughs> it's, it's really about the people who are searching for it. Cool. And so that's got to be super interesting. Well, because you're getting past, you know, why, you know, is Bigfoot real? Okay. Does it matter? What matters is that, you know, thousands of people spend hundreds of hours of their lives in the forest. I mean, even, even our friend Jay Pachochin. Yeah. Right? Like, Jay's always like, who wants to go hunting for Bigfoot? Like, it's, he's always out there looking for Bigfoot. Totally. And at the paranormal conventions that we've attended, I've talked to several Bigfoot enthusiasts. And it's just fascinating to me because they're as passionate about it as any other topic I can think of. It's you know, and it's such a, to be so passionate about something that is so unique. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and really that's, that's what this book is about. And then Joe gets into that in the interview and uh, he talks about all the fun he had on the different expeditions that he got to go on and the cool people he gets to meet, including like the, you know, the people who now have that TV show finding Bigfoot and stuff like that. Yeah. So he, he really got to go in depth, not just looking for the big man himself, but it's a study of the people who are searching for the big feet. Mm. So let's talk to Joe. Okay, we're joined today by a uh, professor and author, Joe Jasandi, who wrote a book called Monster Trek, The Obsessive Search for Bigfoot. And Joe is joining us just down the road in Illinois. How are you doing today, Joe? Great. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Well, I'm in a good mood, even though it's negative four degrees in Madison today. How was it down there? Um, it was three this morning. So we're, I guess we're balmy down here compared was, to you guys. I was going to say I could go in shorts in Illinois today. So exactly exactly what city is uh, Eastern Illinois University at? Uh, we're in Charleston, Illinois, which is about two and a half, three hours south of Chicago. Okay. Closer to uh, like the Indiana area or close to like the Missouri area or which, which direction? We seem to be in the middle sort of a nowhere, but equally <laughs> close to everything. We're two hours. I can get to downtown St. Louis in two hours and get to Indianapolis downtown in, in two hours. You know, so we're Champaign is about 45 minutes North of us where university of Illinois is. Okay. So, uh, I'm, I'm Terre Haute when in Indiana, there's probably, I can get there in 30, 30 minutes or so. All right. All right. So I just wanted to give a little uh, idea of your geography there. So you're, you're smack dab in the middle of our nation. That's right. So Joe, first of all, how does a, uh, someone who works in, at a college uh, get, get to also be able to talk about Bigfoot? Uh, well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a journalist by uh, experience and I teach journalism here at Eastern Illinois University. So um, I decided I wanted to work on this project here. I've always uh, been interested in it. I've always been very much uh, uh, enamored by paranormal, even though I don't think Bigfoot is paranormal. And I think people who search for Bigfoot, I sometimes get upset when you refer to it as paranormal. Uh, but I have been in, in, interested in, you know, when I was growing up, my mom used to get the National Enquirer when it wasn't doing the TMZ stuff. It was doing more of the ghosts and aliens mm -hmm. and Bigfoot stuff. And, and uh, you know, we would read, I grew up in New Jersey, so we would read the New York Times, the Daily News, and the National Enquirer, <laughs> you know, and that was the one that would make it pretty cool. All right. So you had this interest when you were a kid, and that's great. Like, the thing is, like, what's the point of the National Enquirer? If even the National Enquirer, if it helped you foster uh, uh, an interest in this kind of thing, to me, that makes the whole existence of the newspaper worth it. Oh, man, I, I would I would trade that for anything. That was just an amazing, back then, it was so cool. As a matter of fact, when I, when I went to college, uh, I spent 20 years in Florida. When I went to college, my teacher of journalism would write articles for them. And this was something he'd do under a pseudonym. Uh, pseudonym. And uh, he said they paid, first of all, very well. Secondarily, goes, you know, 80% of the stuff in there really tr was really true. And if you look at it, it really is. It's just that they needed that 10 or 20% sometimes that were untrue. You know, not that the thing that, that the paranormal are untrue, but I mean, they would make stuff up with celebrities and, you know, all that other kinds of stuff or exaggerate, I guess. 
Oh, that's right. And you have to have some kind of, you know, crazy headline, like the bat, the most famous, the Bat Boy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the one that people always talk about, the Bat Boy article. But so that's interesting. So, uh, I mean, that that's your two passions right there. There's a little bit of paranormal and there's a little bit of journalism, sensational as it may be. Right, right. Exactly. So um, what brought you to this particular subject to write the book? Number one, why Bigfoot? And number two, what brought you to be like, you know what? If Because when you're going to write a book, it's going to be a year of your life at least. And looking here, it says six years of research. So you're spending a good chunk of your life in pursuit of the Sasquatch. What led you to this particular subject? Uh, well, it was, you know, like it's kind of selfish. I, I like the hiking camp and I've camped. When I was in Florida, we did an awful lot of camping down south in North Carolina and Georgia and, of course, all over Florida. Uh, and nowadays, when I'm up here, I, I camp all over the country. And so I thought it was a great opportunity to visit the country, first of all. Second of all, who doesn't love an adventure? Who doesn't like, you know, you're going out in the middle of the woods and you're looking for literally what some people perceive to be a monster? Who doesn't like that except mm-hmm. for the people who I guess who would catch a monster and don't want to really catch it? You know, grabbing a monster by the tail. Right. Um you know, and what it, I still remember every time they show that Patterson film, that Patterson Gimlin film, I guess, and uh, of Patty there, and what was it, 1967 in, in Northern California, there was a movie that was making the rounds when I must have been, I was born in 63, so this must have been, I don't know, 72, 73, 74. Mm-hmm. It was called The Wild. It was a movie about this guy who raised protected wolves, but at the end of that was this. I forget if it was 10 minutes, 30 minutes short that talked about Bigfoot. It was just in the, it was in the movie theaters when they had two of them. And I remember seeing that. And I remember having uh, the, the patty creature looking back in the film on that big screen. And, and that sort of was burned into my brain at that moment going, oh, my God, something like this might exist out there in the woods somewhere. And um, I was always intrigued. I was, you know, I'd go to the library and look up stuff in microfiche all through my life. Even grad school when I'd have time, I'd, I'd be enamored by, by stories about this. So I very much wanted to be involved with the involved with this and, and and learn more about what is but more importantly i want i was really more amazed and interested in why people search for bigfoot uh we don't have any um scientific evidence that bigfoot exists but yet people are out there looking for it and a lot of these people don't have really any scientific experience or or, or training at all but yet they have a passion and and i wanted to know what their passion is. I tell my students, if you want to write a story, find somebody who's very passionate about something and, and, and do a story on them. And, and that's what I sought to do with this book. Just for real quick, for anybody out there who doesn't know exactly what we're talking about, we about the, the Patterson film. The, the Patterson film is kind of the, the famous, like, when I think of like the Bigfoot silhouette, you know, or they even, mm-hmm. they even sell cutouts now. And I've seen these all up north Wisconsin, that people will sneak these cutouts like at the side of the road. I don't know if if you've seen those, but the, it'll be oh, that yeah. it'll be that that silhouette. And we'll put a link in the show notes so if you guys know what you're talking about. But uh, when you think of Bigfoot, think think of Bigfoot cap- captured on film. Um, that is what you're seeing in your head. You're seeing the Patterson film uh, from the late '60s that made the rounds, and that that was shot in Northern California. Yes, um, it was. Uh, as a matter of fact, I I had the opportunity to be. I was up in San Francisco a couple of years ago, and I was trying to convince my wife to go up into the woods there and uh, <laughs> to try to find that area. Although it's very, it would be, it's very impossible, pretty much, for someone like me to just go find this place. But right, water whole, in. yeah, right. And and my wife uh, was a biologist in Florida for ten years. She's now a nurse up here in Illinois, but she thinks this this is all kinds of ridiculousness and um, <laughs> didn't want to have anything to do with it. But I would love to go to the Pacific. Northwest there and, and go out with some people there because I think that film um, I'm always torn I guess we can talk about this more about whether or not Bigfoot exists but um, I think that's the most compelling evidence that a Bigfoot does exist that particular film like that's the best evidence I, I, I think so and I'm not I'm not an expert I mean I've, I've, I've talked to people who far better know far better than me like you know Cliff Berrickman and, and Dr. Jeff Meldrum and, and other non Bigfoot seeking scientists and you know it's, it's tough to debunk that it's tough to debunk that. Well, why don't we start with real? So you decided to you're like, okay, this is going to be a two great taste that taste great together. Number, I mean, the obs- people's obsession, people's passion for finding Bigfoot, and it, it goes into your journalism. It goes into your interest in, uh, you know, stories that are a little beyond the mainstream. And so you're getting into this now. When you're going to write a book about this, 
what's your first step? Like, what do you start with? Who do you call? Like, if I, like now being involved in, the, in this kind of world, like I'd know who to call for a Bigfoot hunter. But uh, when you were starting this out, were you like, okay, look up, uh, start in the bees and the yellow pages or where'd you go? Well, really what I did is I did two things. Uh, number one, you type in Bigfoot and, and a couple of things popped up. When I started this project in what, 2009, a little bit, and I would do a little bit each year, uh, you would have uh, the BFRO would jump out. The Bigfoot Research Organization. So, uh, if you're if you're looking for a place that has a lot of information, you go to BFRO. Uh, dot, I think it's dot net. Um, so I, I look there, and that's 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 one site, and the, that's the one that's run by um, Matt Moneymaker, who's on Finding Bigfoot. Okay, right. As a matter of fact, I met Matt and I talked, and I forget what year it was. It was like the first year or two I was working on this out in Oklahoma, and we were chatting, and he was telling about trying to pitch the show to different networks, and um, so I'm, I'm glad to see that he was able to get that done. Yeah, it certainly worked. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the other thing, uh, other person that uh, I reached out to and who contacted me within the hour was Tom Biscardi, and um, I'm sure you know his name mm-hmm. a little bit there, that um he is, you know, a, a PT Barnum of sorts uh, in the sense that um, he, I don't know how to say this any better, but it seems like he's done several hoaxes involving Bigfoot, including right. the most prominent one of the Georgia boys. As a matter of fact, I was supposed to go out in the woods with him that weekend that he um, that that whole Georgia boy thing it went crazy. We were supposed to go out in Mount Mitchell in, in uh, North Carolina. Um, and both I, he and I ended up having different things that were supposed to go on, but he caught, he contacted me. I can see why people like him and trust him and do all those different things. Cause he's, he's very personable on the phone. He seems to be, you know, a really nice guy and all these other things that, you know, of course the fatal flaws, if he's making these things up, you know, that's, you know, there's nothing worse than that. I mean, see, he comports himself as a professional then, right? Like he, like he knows how to talk. He seems like a reasonable person. And oh, he could sell anything, yeah. He could sell used cars. I mean, well, he could, yeah, he could sell anything, yeah. You're right. And then something comes out and he's like, okay, guys, I got a corpse of Bigfoot. It's got DNA evidence. They have a, a press conference and it's obviously ridiculous, you know, a, a rubber costume or something like that. You know, like so um, – and if you guys look up Tom Biscardi – You'll see that he's, you know, a cryptozoology enthusiast, even as, you know, Wikipedia, Las Vegas promoter, internet radio host, film producer, describes himself as the real Bigfoot hunter. And so, of course, he's like, somebody's going to be writing a book on Bigfoot. He's going to want to contact you because, you know, there's an opportunity right there. Right. Exactly. Um, eventually, though, I ended up going out with um, the BFRO in a expedition in Oklahoma, um, not far from where this story involving the Fall County monster um, on the Arkansas border took place. Uh, we were in the Wachita Mountains, which is in uh, eastern Oklahoma. And I spent some time with him as my first person. Matt and I spent that first night. It was he and I were alone in one of the areas when they're doing an expedition. Um, and I know a lot of people also say a lot of negative things about Matt Moneymaker within the circles of Bigfoot investigators, enthusiasts, whatever term you want to use. Um, in my face-to-face interactions with him, I found him nothing but uh, <clears throat> generous and, and, and kind and all the others. Um, I went on two expeditions with him, one with, with his group, not with him per se, and another one, another one in North Carolina. Um, and so those are the first two. I was trying to figure out, if, is there a book here? What's going on? And after those two, I decided that there were. So I started reaching out to other people. <clears throat> At the same time, I was thinking, well, do I, do I want to meet some people in Missouri? And at that point, they realized I had never signed a non-disclosure agreement about anything. Ah. Um, and they were because they, they had these forms. I never mailed one in because as a journalist, I can't be beholden to anybody. Right. Um, at least that's what real journalists do. I mean, we see mistakes and problems out there among some others. But um, so they uh, got really angry and they, they tried coming at me a little bit. And, um, and I told them, listen, I'm not here to rip into you or anybody else. I'm just here to, you know report what I'm seeing. And so real quick, so you guys went out the, the Arkansas border part of Oklahoma, and it's funny because I just saw the legend of Boggy Creek for the first time this summer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was probably about a, two hours away, tops. With I mean, it was, as you're going through the mountains and everything, yeah. And uh, so finally, I mean, my sister brought it, like she brought it like to uh, to hang out. She's like, guys, I got the legend of Boggy Creek. And I'm like, all of a sudden it's, you know, 
1972 again. And so we're watching it. And it's interesting. So now which organization, it was the BFRO or was it Matt's organization that you went out with when you guys went out there? Well, that is Matt's organization. Okay, that's right. Big okay. Peter, which is different than we were talking earlier about Tom Oscardi. Right. So yeah, I went out with them and then I went out with, um, with down in the uh, central North Carolina area. And Michael Green is someone who said that he has some a video um, of, of a Bigfoot grabbing some food. Um, I forget if at that point it was a Zagnut bar or something like that. Um, oh, now I'm hungry. <laughs> no, exactly. Or I feel like, you know, watching, uh, um, uh, what was it? The, the movie where he says Zagnut three times. Um, oh. anyway, um, yeah, yeah, say it once, say it twice, say it three times. Um, <laughs> I can't remember it. Really? Anyway, that's where that video was. I was within, you know, 20 yards of that. Cause Michael Green, who is a former investigator in New Jersey, um, is a really wonderful guy, um, has some interesting video. And there's a lot of interesting video out there in these places, uh, but, you know, nothing conclusive there. No, and you go out on there on an on a expedition. Okay, so you'd been somebody who's been to camping, you're into hiking, you like the outdoors, you know, you're probably an REI member, you know, kind of thing. So you have that, you know, the outdoors kind of lifestyle and you're enjoying it. You can go in Florida, parks and things sure. like that. So when you go out for your first Bigfoot hunting expedition, now what was your perception? What did you think was going to happen and what actually happened? Um, I, I don't think you, I could, you could really prepare for it. Um, it, it. I just thought it was pretty wild that after the, the first time I had such an adrenaline rush because I'm out there and I just thought, wow, this is just so cool. And um, I, I, I just enjoyed it, you know, trying, you know, keep my, making sure I keep my distance. I wrote the book actually in first person. Um, so I, I, I share what I was feeling and thinking at, at these times as well and what was going on. Um, but ultimately I thought we've got a bunch of people running through the woods, 30, 40 people sometimes. Um, if someone lives in the woods, how are we going to sneak up on anything? You know, that, that was the one thing. On the other hand, there was a couple of situations uh, in some of these tre- uh, treks through the woods that I went, wow, was that what I think it was or was it not? As a matter of fact, within my first uh, hour out in the woods, um, I'm looking through one of these flares, uh, the, the night vision, and I was able to um, – I looked in the woods and Matt said, Hey, I'm going to have a smoke break here and see what you can see. And he, you know, hands me this $10,000 or whatever it is, uh, flare. There. I'm going, well, I better not drop it. And I look in the woods and I see what I believe to be a Bigfoot creature kneeling, looking down, looking at me. Okay. So let's, let's yes. dial this back for a second. So this is, sure. so you didn't have a previous Bigfoot sighting before you went ever went on one of these adventures. No, I've had a couple of situations that people tell me in retrospect, they very much would have been something that was, out there and everything, but of course that's conjecture. Um, so no, none, 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 not that I know of. So and, you're, you're uh, here now. Exactly, where are you? Like, what state are you in? Uh, what time of night is this? This is in the Wichita Mountains, and uh, where they have the Bigfoot Festival, right, right near there, um, and uh, near, not far from the border of Arkansas. And it's probably about ten, eleven at night. And what um, month it is? So, so let's think about like how, like how much light is there right now, or anything like like. So what time? What time of the year? Um, I think it was first week in October. Um, so it was chilly, but not, you know, well, it's balmy by Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> right, standard. I was going to say, it's not really cold. No, no, I'd say, I don't know, uh, lower 40s, mid 40s, something like that, that night. And uh, we're walking in the woods and actually we parked. And then, you know, in that area, it's, it's a lot of Native Americans own a lot of different uh, land and, 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 uh, they have a lot of dogs. And so we're out sitting there and we're hearing, um, other people do some calls far, far in the distance. So uh, there's a tree line there in the open area. When you say by calls, like I think of calls, I think of like duck dynasty guys. Or something. So what, what kind of, what, what kind of calls are you hearing in the distance? Um, Oh, from other people who are who are making calls that are within the organization. Um, if you, if anybody who's ever watched Finding Bigfoot will 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 know. I mean, all of them, Bobo and and, and Cliff and, and and Matt certainly and uh, do do the calls out there in the woods. Um, it, it's almost inexplicable how to how to explain those because I've heard some really bizarre things in the wild that I really can't explain. You know, it there was one in in Florida that was um, probably the most bizarre thing that ever happened to me, um, maybe almost in my life. 
And um, let's get to that one in one set. We're gonna go, we're gonna go for Bigfoot, and then let's go back to Florida because bizarre is exactly what we're looking for. So let's start sure. with. So you hear some. So these guys are making the Bigfoot calls. How many people are out with you that night? Is this the thirty to forty people? Um, I'm thinking there's probably at least early low mid twenties at least for this okay, one. So it's a good sized group. Yeah, there was far more people in North Carolina. I think one reason is the week before there was an expedition. At you know the Boggy Creek sort of area there, and uh, so they didn't have as many people. So yeah, let's say twenty, twenty-two, something like that. Um, and so I looked at it, and I I didn't want to be that crazy guy who the moment you give him a, a FLIR or a camera, you're going, "Hey, I see Bigfoot." But so I, I kept looking, going, "Is this something that I'm really seeing or not?" So I, I I made sure I had a keen eye of the area, and I said, "Hey," as calmly as I could, I said, "Hey, madam." Uh, I'm not sure if I see something here. I'm, you know, I just slowly said that. And I said, he goes, you're really seeing something? And I handed it to him. He looked in the same area, and he didn't see a thing. He gives it to me. I look in the area, and I don't see anything. So it, it was either there was something there looking at me, and it was beginner's luck, um, or it was like looking at a cloud, and, you know, and they change formations all the time, and who knows what you, what you see. Well, what kind of – so it's like an um, infrared type of – uh, so what exactly did you look through? Like what kind of glasses? Did it look like the predator or something like that when you know, he looks at things? No, it, uh, it's sort of the heat. You know, you know when the, these night vision pick up um, a, a lot of the heat signatures. So sometimes you know a tree could look like a leg, I guess, if, if it's been getting enough sun, the right thing in the in the right time period. Mm. Uh, so I saw what would appear to be a, not a silhouette. It was more than just you know, when you see these, and I know you deal with this a lot more than I do, when you see things about ghosts, mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, or at least the classic one, you just see this amorphous figure. This one seemed pretty defined. Um, I could make out eyes. I could make out a head. I could uh, – it was almost like it was kneeling down on its side and with his he- hand on its, el- on its right leg, his he- head tilted to the left, and his hand resting in his hand looking straight at me. And was there any other uh, landmarks around it for kind of size, um, you know, so you could reference like like a tree or a shrub or something like that where you could be like, oh, my God, this thing's nine foot tall or or something like that? When I was looking at it, um, it appeared to me that it was much bigger than I am. I'm, 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 I'm about 5'11", uh, a little over 5'11", and uh, I could tell it was bigger than I am, but I didn't make any marks like go out there and try to size everything. It was, it was very close to me. It was larger than me. It was anywhere probably from seven or at least seven feet or taller. And it was certainly bulky. It was, it almost looked like I had taken the character, the creature out of the Patty film in 1967 (laughs) and had deposited it there and looked at me, you know? And, um, so that, that's what, that's what I was looking at for. And I looked at it for a good minute or two and, um, those who search for Bigfoot believe that they can stand perfectly still for long periods of time. Uh, and that's one of the ways they're able to elude people. That's one of the, the, the beliefs, at least. And how long were you guys into your expedition? So was this like a couple of days you were out or was this like a one night kind of thing? I'm just saying like to, to go out on your first expedition and be like, holy crap, there he is. I mean, that's a that's a good roll of dice. It was. I, I drove. It's like a 12, 13, 12 hour drive, 20 faster drive. Um, from where I am in central Illinois down there. And it was a four-day expedition, I think, but I could only make two of them because between my teaching and at the time my daughter, I was coaching a travel softball team for my daughters. I had to get back on a late Sunday, on a Sunday afternoon. So I was there on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but really um, Thursday night, Friday night, and then Saturday around noon, I had to take off to come home so I could be back on Sunday. It was, it was very sad because the next night everybody talked about different things that they had seen and heard. And, um, but that was a pretty active one too. There was a woman on this expedition who was a banker who, uh, they decided to put her out in the middle of the woods of this area and these private, private woods. And she had uh, an account. This is a woman who is, and I write a lot about her, about Pam, um, she had a. Um, she was not afraid of anything. She'd go out in the woods by herself. As a matter of fact, if you wanted to go out with her, she was defiant. Like I don't need any guy or anybody else. I'm fine. And she very nothing. She was unflustered. She did not fluster. 
And um, I was probably about a quarter of a mile away when she started talking over the microphones of the walkie-talkies about uh, seeing something and then seeing these big, large red eyes and feeling things and vibrations in her body. And uh, and I raced there. Uh, I, I can run fairly well. I was the second one there to her. And she was just absolutely uh, – her, her, her heartbeat was off the charts. There was a medic there who checked on her. Um, she was just completely – flustered um, at, at what had happened there. And she says she had seen several um, creatures and they measured later on, measured between probably eight, nine, maybe even 10 feet tall. Um, just looking at her angry that she was in her spot. The intention for this was to put someone in an area, particularly a woman, to bother somebody and then everybody else leave. Um, and if, so if Bigfoot does exist, uh, they thought that this, they would they would react and like they wanted to use her as bait or something like like she'd come. Um, did they think? Did they think that Bigfoot reacts differently towards women and children? Yeah, there's a belief uh-huh. on that. But um, but you know, you, you read these stories about even Native Americans and then down in Florida in particular. The ones that a couple of them areas down south, it seems like they're far more aggressive. But you read these stories and it's like, don't go out in the woods alone. Don't look behind. They don't want to be seen. There's stories about them going after children in particular. There's other stories that said they, they love children. There's others that say they react better to women. It, it's it's you know obviously since we don't know whether this creature exists and we have no real research it's not like a jane goodall who's who's absolutely observing you know the, right. the large apes and, and telling you what the characters um so there's all these different stories although ironically jane goodall fully fully believes in bigfoot oh i love that i love that well let's let's go back to bigfoot in a second and, and talk a little bit more about what kind of you think that drives these people because that's a that's a big part of your book i'm talking about the, the their drive to you know to find this creature the sasquatch a bigfoot and let's talk about what you saw in Florida. So let's let's go into the Wayback Machine real quick and say that, that you said the most bizarre thing you'd ever seen or heard or set that up for us for a second. Sure. Well, Florida, anybody who's ever been in Florida, there's no place in this country like that. There's just absolutely not. I mean, when, when my wife and I, my wife was a biologist and she would take care of alligators and I mean, and, and she was going through the snakes. There's all kinds of snakes. If you're in the woods in Florida and you don't see a snake, you're not looking. You know, they're there, they're hiding, they may be up in a tree, which I know terrifies some people, then they could drop down. Not that that happens a lot. They're, um, you know, you, if you look well enough and when you're down there, you'll see baby rattlers here and you'll see something there. And, and this was an area where they used to do the annual rattlesnake roundup. Where they put sticks in the wood, in the ground and hit them so that snakes would come up for the ground. And they do it in another state now. Um, and they collect the vems and what have you. So there's snakes everywhere. There's everything everywhere. I mean, that's that's one thing I, I certainly write about in the book is all the things that could get you in Florida. It looked like a couple of days previous that these wild hogs that were originally that came here with you know the Spaniards in the 15 and 1600s. Um, where they wander around and those hogs, man, with the tusks, you don't want to mess with them. You saw big areas that were just, just torn up, right? Literally, I mean, my little tent would be completely uh, destroyed by any one of these things. And then, of course, you have the large alligators in certain areas and um, just, just kind of crazy. So the first day we're out there, we're, we're trekking through areas. So like my wife, I'm used to have gone out through my wife with this woman, Caroline Solomon, who unfortunately passed away a year ago. And she was she was all kinds of fiery and, and, and going through the woods. So we're going not off the paths. You know, we're not walking in a regular path. I'm going, OK, I read a really look <laughs> right. as I'm walking around. And so I had a good sense of what this area was like. I knew the green swamp in Florida. I knew that area. I've knew, known these areas. It's thick. You can absolutely not walk through areas and and uh, easily. You know, you're going underneath the bramble and over them, and there's swampy stuff and what have you. And what part of Florida is this? Now, Florida's a big state, so what part of it is this? Sure. Um, it's about two hours, hour and a half, two hours north and slightly east of Tampa. Okay. It's in the middle of the state. If you, if you look the middle of the state, there's an area called the Green Swamp, which is a large, large area. This is on the northern part of the Green Swamp. We're, we're, not, we're probably about an hour. It's near Dade City. If you look up the Dade City, you'll, you'll get a sense of uh, the area as well. Okay. This, this was such an out-of-the-way place that this is where the Americans, we did in World War II, would take some of our worst German soldiers because they knew that if they escaped, they're going to have a hard time getting through the swamps. Okay, nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it puts all the rattlesnakes. So anyway, I'd gone through all this area. Well, the second, we were, I was there for two and a half days. 
and we're, and we're camping right on the edge of these woods and their waterways and all the other things going on there. So we come back late that night, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, Caroline says something about, um, making a call. And I had heard, I've heard them before. And I said, okay, so imagine the woods. It's really thick, 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 really thick. And then there's a big area that clearly had been cut out for camping and, and, and picnicking and whatever. And that's where we are. It's probably an area that's no more than about a hundred yards by about 50 yards, something like that. Um, so we're at the very edge of the open sandy area and I'm sitting probably three to six feet away from the very edge of the woods uh, that, that are, that are in there. And uh, so she makes a call late at night and suddenly we start hearing something that's sort of a mixture between an owl and uh, I can only guess a, 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 an ape. It sounded like if you've ever seen the planet of the apes, yes, um, the calls that they make, it sounded an awful lot like that. Um, and you hear a little bit, it's, you hear it suddenly she makes a call and in the distance you hear something and then it starts getting closer and closer. And it starts getting louder and it's almost like it's coming from two different directions suddenly. And it's just going and I'm sitting there dumbfounded. So anyway, you have that just screaming and yelling and it's getting worse and worse. And, uh, and it's just loud and, and it's like planted an apes loud. And it's just, and, and I'm sitting there with my hand on my recorder and I didn't press the button. Oh. And um, I'm, I'm just looking in the woods going, am I going to see something come poking out? I mean, I was just, and, and, and being an idiot, instead of wanting to run in fear, if something really was coming at me like that, I'm just sitting there going, wow, what's going on here? I was being this typical stupid journalist, the ones that run toward the hurricane instead of away from it. Right. And, and, and so we're all standing there. And then it just stops. It, it's, it's almost like it's in front of me and it just stops. And I thought, what can go through that kind of area that quickly, you know, instead of your foot getting stuck in the muck and all the other things and jumping over things. And so I don't know. That was uh, Caroline turns to me and she just sort of smiled and said, now, do you believe <laughs> and I'll tell you what, at about two in the morning or one in the morning in the middle of nowhere, it's very easy to believe when you, when you've, when you encountered something like that, yeah. it, it, it was, and, and, and if you know something like that is out there, the fact that people like Caroline go out there time and time again and Pam uh, go out there time and time again is, is really either amazingly brave or amazingly stupid or both at the same time. Well, you mentioned the Planet of the Apes. And, you know, that's a word we don't hear too much about the Sasquatch. But, uh, I mean, skunk ape is a yeah. word people use. for. And I know you talk about that a little bit. Where, what's the origin of the word skunk ape? Well, really, what it is is if in Florida, I don't know how much in, in Wisconsin that late at night or someplace you hear a skunk or gets run over by a car or near it, and it smells, you know, horrid. Yes. <laughs> um, that's the smell that is associated with the Bigfoot that lives in Florida. It's actually a, uh, by and large, uh, a leaner and smaller uh, iteration of, of, a, of a Bigfoot, but um, it smells horribly. And, and so in Florida, the whole thing is that people get – People who even slightly believe in Bigfoot, if they're out in the woods in the middle of the night and they smell something like that, they're like, uh-oh, <laughs> is there a Bigfoot there? Me? Nice. And, and it, it's really funny because there's stories about him running alongside the roads in Orlando where I lived for a while around 520, which goes from Orlando out to Cape Canaveral. And there's big, of course, <clears throat> even though it's built up a lot, there's all kinds of swampy middle of the nowhere type stuff, even along some state roads. Um, stories of Bigfoot running alongside cars and the smells and um, there, there's there's a lot. And most people in Florida have been there for any time period have heard of of certainly the skunk ape. So that's that's where it really sort of came from. Okay, that's pretty cool, and that's great that uh, there's the regional stories of it because in Wisconsin we have some you know regional stuff. We even had the Bigfoot closer to where I grew up near Milwaukee, and people were talking about in the Kettle Moraine there that they they see Bigfoot, and I, I had never heard about that growing up. Well, I was going to say regional. That was one of the things I wanted to write is that in, in each of these chapters I went to a different part of the country. And um, I wrote about the people, but I also wrote a great deal about the region, the stories from the region, uh, not just Bigfoot stuff, but paranormal stuff. Like in southern Illinois, there's an awful lot of uh, both UFO stories and activity and uh, um, and also ghosts and, and what have you. 
So I was always, when I was in North Carolina, I was in the area where they had the first gold rush. I mean, it was literally right in that area. So we had to worry about falling down uh, old shafts mm. and what have you. But there's, it's also an area that's known for its ghost stories. I mean, there's multiple books just written about that part of North Carolina and ghosts and what have you. And, and ghosts are another thing that just, you know, I, I, I sort of dig those things as well. Uh, but when I was in, I also came up to northern uh, Wisconsin. Okay, and, so what's, uh, what Phillips, city in Wisconsin? Oh, Phillips, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, that's right on the air. And there's a guy named Don Young. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Mm -hmm. um, Don, Don Young is a guy who lived in, and grew up in that area, and he, he became a guide and was a guy that uh, he, he felt this at home in the woods as he at home. He'd fall asleep in the woods. He thought nothing of it. He, you know, if you're laying down in the woods, he could probably tell you the difference between a squirrel and a chipmunk going through the, through the grass and all kinds of different things. He lives in an area. I ended up coming up and spending some, uh, some time with him, and he got so scared that he refused to go in the woods because he had a couple of encounters. Um, he has a couple of cats that he believed that were that were eaten. His dog's back was broken. Um, he, uh, he he he's a guy that you know if they had the zombie apocalypse, you want to be on his hip. You know, he knows how to get through the woods and, and, and to live. You know, so uh, so if, if someone like I, I thought, well, if someone like him lost his livelihood, people wouldn't go out in the woods. They thought he was crazy. So I was able to spend some time up there and 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 talk about the history up up in that area and 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 talk about um, and Don and his encounters. And in Florida, you were talking about the regional things. Uh, I was out in uh, Virginia, and there's a belief, and I've talked to some people after this book had come out. Um, who has worked with the federal government. And um, I've been told that there's a belief that there's a whole bunch of Bigfoot around where the CIA office is in Virginia. Uh, Cause it, of course the CIA is going to have its area, uh, you know, secluded cause they don't want anybody to get in. Right. Sort of like if you ever go to Florida and Cape, if you go to Cape Canaveral, there's all kinds of wetlands. It's like, if you can get through that stuff, I mean, I, I used to live right next to Cape Canaveral <clears throat> and I knew a guy who was a security guard you had, you know, you have large rattlers down in Florida. I mean, they're big and fat, and thick, but they're even larger out there. And the hogs are everywhere. And the gators, I've, I've seen gators, and my wife has too, that are like 13, 14 feet easily. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. So it, it was sort of, sort of like that in Virginia too, where there's a guy told me a really interesting story that I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to share any of it. So I probably shouldn't tell too many details, but sure. uh, that he saw, you know, he absolutely never believed in Bigfoot until he had this story. And it was like, oh my God, he told me the story. And and, and as a journalist, you try to have a pretty good, as Hemingway said, bullshit detector. Right. Uh, and this guy, I, I, I had no doubt that this guy was telling me either it was the truth or he believed it to be the truth. But this is a guy who's used to being out in woods. And uh, there are other things he told me that made me think about it. So you have that. Um, you have in Ohio, which is Salt Fork State Park, as you know, some people would even I, – I, I sort of joke that it's sort of like the Disneyland for Bigfoot because it seems like it has more uh, sightings per – for visit than any other place I've ever seen. Interesting. Uh, I've also been fortunate enough to spend some time with uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, who's a, uh, he's a professor um, at Idaho state university. And um, he's probably in every Bigfoot show you can imagine. Mm -hmm. He's a, a he, he, he talks about locomotion. He can look at footprints and, and tell what's going on there. But he, um, I spent some time up in the, in, in the, in the wind river mountains, which is primarily an area owned, uh, nowadays by, by the native Americans, um, which was their original area. And he had a guy with him named John Mazinski, who is the big sheep, um, expert in the country and, and was on the first grizzly bear expedition and put himself in peril and almost, well, I'm surprised he didn't get eaten by a grizzly back in the seventies. Mm. There's all kinds of stories about, uh, Yellowstone, which I've spent some time visiting at, um, they're all over the place. As a matter of fact, some of the people there, if you get them to talk, they'll tell you stories of things that they've, they've sighted out there. So um, every area has these sightings, you know, the same way if, you know, there's ghost stories everywhere, there's Bigfoot stories everywhere too. And they go back thousands of years. But when you talk about, we talk about Bigfoot and you talk about ghosts. Now a ghost to me, obviously it's something we can't prove and it, you know, it's spectral or doesn't exist on this plane or doesn't have a physical presence or, you know, there's, there's so many things. Now Bigfoot though, from the people you've 
interviewed, obviously, and you've been out on these adventures, you've gone to all these different regions, seen the fact that it's it's not just like one location. It's not the Pacific Northwest. It's not just the UP, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and like that Phillips area and stuff. It's not just the Skunk Ape in Florida. You know, it's all over the country, but they have these legends of Bigfoot and people that have claimed to have seen it. Do you see Bigfoot as, uh, or at least the people who have made the encounters, have had the encounters, do you see them as a physical entity or a supernatural entity? Well, I, I have no reason to believe it wouldn't be just a, a natural entity. Um, there are certainly stories. And, and again, I, I didn't mean to, I apologize, I didn't mean to make it, I, I, I don't believe ghosts and, and Bigfoot are the same. I completely agree with you on this. Sure. Uh, do two different things. One's spectral, as you said, and one is flesh and blood, if it exists. Uh, so, well, no, I mean, because there are people that say that Bigfoot's a ghost. Like, I mean, there's a million theories about it. So I was saying, you know, of the, of the, all the experiences you've collected and the people you've interviewed, are you leaning more towards the, uh, Bigfoot as, you know, flesh and blood physical, just like us or something a little, I mean, more spectral. So that was kind of what I was getting at. Well, let me throw something out that actually I did not write in the book because I just talked to somebody, as I mentioned, who has worked with uh, the, the federal government and <clears throat> in security or whatever you want to call it. And he brought up a point. He was talking about multi-dimensions, um, that we live in a three-dimensional world. There's a belief among science that there may be multiple dimensions out there. Uh, and he was ended up talking to somebody who said, you know, there may be as many. And he threw, this guy threw a number. I forget if it was 14 or 16. He goes, well, let's say there's 14. And the way the guy said it, he felt like this guy sort of <laughs> sort of knew some things. Okay. So, so I guess let me throw out this bizarre option here. I think one option is certainly that Bigfoot is a flesh and blood animal that just has not been captured. That obviously would have to have significant intelligence to elude us for such an extended period. Although not that much intelligence because we're not that really good in the woods. Right. Um, but if that's like the cryptozoology, you know, right. way just to be like, you know, Bigfoot's just an undiscovered species. Right. And, and this person I've heard from other people too say that the federal government claims that they do know that Bigfoot exists. I've talked to multiple people who said state, you know, federal officials have told them that someone has even talked to the federal government about, um, about what to look for. If you're Bigfoot, there's been all stories about that, that have actually been chronicled. You could probably find, Oh man, I got to go invade the DNR. It's just yeah. in Madison and be like, give, I want the truth. Right. Right. Well, they, they won't tell you. you have to find some people <laughs> off the record, probably. But uh, there are also other people that think that's crazy. Like when I called a, a Wisconsin official when I was coming up there and I said, hey, so you guys ever see big? I know this may sound crazy, but if he goes, no, not he, he sort of dismissed it right. uh, out of hand. So the one would be the flesh and blood. The other would be there's several stories believing that they may have been here from aliens or that uh, uh, and they have been deposited here to look after us. And, you know, I mean, again, I, I don't subscribe to this in any way. Um, that's one, another story I've heard. Another one is perhaps that they can, that they are psychic and, and they can read your minds and thoughts and therefore they can elude you that way. And, and another way is that perhaps they can go maybe interdimensionally, um, because there's so many stories of people feeling like they have them cornered. But, you know, I think the counter to that is this, if they're so elusive, if they exist and they're so elusive, they can go through all these different things. How come we keep stumbling upon them? If, the, if, if we are, in fact, stumbling on them. So, I mean, I guess that's the counter to that as well. Um, and you were asking me about the people who search. Mm -hmm. By and large, you have people I, – I, I've sort of tried – I think I've categorized them myself into about three different areas. One is people who, who have seen Bigfoot or believe they have seen Bigfoot. And that is driving them because they want to see it again or they want to confirm that they actually did see something and that they were not crazy or they just wanted to have some confirmation of it. Um, I think they're the other people who uh, are just scientifically curious and want an adventure perhaps even, uh, sort of like myself. Uh, you have, the, you have the, the, the rare scientist who's out there, like a Jeff Meldrum and a John Mazinski, who actually have some, you know, creds to go out there mm -hmm. and do that. And, and I have found also, I think there's people who go out in the Bigfoot community the same way you sign up for um, a softball team or something like that. They're just lonely and they're trying to make connections with people. And this is a way for them to to reach out to other people. Uh, those, those are some of the types of people that I've noticed. And certainly there's people that go 
in the cracks and, 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 and different than that as well. But those are the main types of people I have, I have uh, noticed searching for Bigfoot. And have you found, I mean, even between the groups, even from scientists to experiencers to people who just are looking for, you know, to do something on a Friday night, when you've gone through that and met those people in your uh, journalistic observations, have you, you think you found any kind of through line between all the groups that kind of contributes to that obsession? A reason for the obsession? Yeah. I think, um, I don't think I have any, I think a lot of the things that I wrote about, I, I, st- I stuck to the facts as much as I could, but if I were reporting on whether or not Bigfoot existed, what have you, um, there's the scientific evidence just isn't there yet. Um, there's a lot of anecdotal, um, there's a lot of uh, bright people out there who are, who are looking for it. And I'm not dismissing that this evidence someday will go, oh, of course that was evidence. Um, uh, there's some real bright people. One, one person who I admire actually a great deal, I, I've gotten to know him, uh, and I consider him a, a friend, not that we hang out all the time, but when we do talk is uh, Cliff Berkman from Finding Bigfoot. He really has a great approach to it, and and and, uh, and he's always talking about these 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 elements and um, what if what is evidence and what isn't, and he understands what what is not actually true evidence. Uh, he clearly does. I mean, I think he used to teach science in in middle school or elementary school as well before he went on to the show as a teacher. So um, I don't know that I have found anything that you're asking for right there. Um, but there's a lot of really interesting things out there that all it takes is one thing where suddenly all the pieces fall into place. Have you encountered people you think that, um, you know, when we think of obsession, I mean, the first thing I think of is Captain Ahab and Moby Dick. And the the idea that you're hunting something and you do it to the detriment of everything else. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of people. Yeah. You know, we talk about these kind of, uh, you know, first of all, it's it's an obsession where you're really into something. And that's that can be off-putting, you know, to a lot of people. But also it's the you're really into something that's outside of the mainstream and that maybe some people, you know, don't approve of. And did you find anybody having a particular kind of a good way of coping with that? I mean, were most people that you worked with pretty well adjusted? Um, I do think so. A lot of people think there's a bunch of crazy people running through the woods with pitchforks and knives and fleers and what have you. Um, and there are some. <laughs> there absolutely right. are. Watch and, out for those. Uh, which certainly made writing this book very interesting. But I think the people who were grounded I, were equally interesting. Um everybody has a different story. I mean, as a journalist, one thing I try to convey is I mentioned to students and and myself is that you can find a story anywhere. It could be where you're, I remember one time I was getting gifts for my daughter's birthday party at a state park when I lived in Florida. And this one grandmother was telling me her story about not having seen her grandmother. You know, I just sat there and listened. I I like to listen and hear people's stories. So there are also a lot of people who are very grounded in there, but obviously there's something that's driving them to get through there. And each person has a really different story. And that's what I loved about doing this. and, And I enjoyed is that you have all these you know, the struggles these people have. I mean, I know one guy whose house is sort of in disrepair, but he spends all his money on technology. I mean, you know, there's people like that. I've met some people who I think um, are looking at the world the right way uh, and are sort of don't, can't help themselves to do that. Um, There are others. There's an awful lot of people I've come across too, who get so excited and throw themselves into this. And then they get, uh, they get bothered. You have nothing else that they, um, they just suddenly dis- disbelieve. Sure, you know, they get like disillusioned with the whole thing. Oh, absolutely. They, they completely do. And, and there's, I'm trying to think of all the people. There's, there's so many people I, I wrote about and talked about in the book here that were just, I just love their stories and, and also that they shared them with me. Well, for the people that want to, uh, you know, follow up and they want to pick up a copy of the book, uh, where's the best place that they can order a copy of Monster Trek for themselves? Um, yeah, it's uh, Monster Trek, The Obsessive Search for Bigfoot. My last name is G-I-S-O-N-D-I, Joe Gisandi. Um, it's published by University of Nebraska Press. Um, but you can order it off their website or probably for most people, it's just easier to go to amazon.com and order it. That'd probably be the best place to go get the book there. Okay. And we're going to have a link to that in our show notes and you're going to be able to find that at othersidepodcast.com slash one, two, six. Now, has this inspired you in your journalistic and writing quest? Are you going to, you going to pick UFOs next or, uh, what's, what's next for you? 
Um, I don't know. Well, what's next for me is I've got a couple of things. Actually, um, I have a, a sports journalism book. I teach a lot of sports media. I run a national sports conference for college students. And um, I have a second edition of my sports journalism book that's going to be coming out later this winter. Uh, it has people from all over the country talking about it. It's where, you know, it's used in classrooms for people to learn how to learn sports journalism but i don't think most of the people listening here well maybe not i had one guy who's really into wrestling well and to tell you the truth like it's it's one obsession or the other you know like people can you know, <laughs> sport is definitely an obsession and there's plenty of bigfoot hunters in wisconsin that love the green bay packers too so there's uh there, there's you, go. That. there you go and i also have a um i just found an illustrator i, I believe we have an illustrator for a book and, and he and i are partnering on a book a children's book. Um, I, I've written it, and he's illustrating. Actually, it, it's it's really a, it's about monsters. So maybe I'll I'll, I'll come by at some other point. That'd be fantastic. Um, and then I'm working on a fiction book. That's a historical fiction book. There, I would very much like to go out, and um, I need to find an angle. Like for the Bigfoot book, my angle was everybody's. A lot of people have written about Bigfoot, but no one had written about the people who search for Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the experiences going through and talking to him. And that, that was my biggest thing, even though I did talk about stories and experiences and other paranormal things that are connected to it. Um, I'd have to find something that's connected because I love every all these other things. I just can't get enough of it, especially when I talk to people like you, um, uh, when, that we get to, I get to relive these. I'm going, man, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, going out in those hunts and stuff like that, I'm jealous just talking about it. Not being outside today, but like summertime in Oklahoma or Arkansas, sounds like a lot of fun oh no absolutely yeah now florida in august is not fun nor is wisconsin in january (laughs) right so the funny thing is of course bigfoot's in every state reported except hawaii but who the heck doesn't want to be in hawaii right the one place we should go hunting for bigfoot uh any time of year is the one place we haven't seen him you and i'll head out there that sounds good all right joe thank you very much for joining us today guys if you want to find uh information on how to order joe's book we're going to have that right at the show notes at othersidepodcast.com slash 126 and of course if there's any more information or you get some any other books we'll let you know on the podcast thanks joe thank you so much for your time you know my favorite part of the interview was wendy what it was when he said he was talking to that person who'd worked with the CIA and that guy just made it sound like he knows that Bigfoot exists. He's like, I probably can't give away too many details of the actual conversation, but when we're having this and he said he was talking to the people who work for something like the federal, um, you know, the wildlife division and everything and they have Bigfoot procedures. That's so cool. So, <laughs> I mean, awesome. just the fact that those things exist, uh, you know, that always makes me think when somebody who knows more than we do is just yeah. like, oh, yeah, Bigfoot's there. Like, you're always Gives like, you hope. Yeah, what is he? Either that or there's some kind of disinformation on Bigfoot. Sure. That, it, you know, it's like he wants us to believe that Bigfoot exists because it's going to make the government, you know, it's going to make it easier for them to control our minds. Yeah. Like trying to throw us way off the track. <laughs> Right. Like what, what's really <laughs> happening is that uh, they're doing some kind of experiment in the woods. Wendy, have you finished Stranger Things yet? Uh, yes. Okay. That was another. First of all, if you guys listen to this podcast and you haven't finished watching Stranger Things yet, um, it's okay. You've already heard the interview. It's okay to pause now, go finish watching it and come back later. <laughs> but the thing about Stranger Things, when he talked about the, uh, and this is spoilers, so this is where you'd stop. Yeah, you could skip like a, a couple minutes forward. Yeah, when he talks about Bigfoot as an interdimensional being. Oh, sure, right. You know, that, like that made me think about Stranger Things. That you could, ah. like Bigfoot slipping in and out of the upside down. Cool. I love that when people bring up that theory. Yeah, I, and I think there is, not that there's something to any of this. Like, I don't know, you know, but just if we'd find like Bigfoot skeletons, you figure, or you'd find more like Bigfoot poops all over the place. <laughs> Right? Sure. Because they're huge. And so, that, yeah. right, we find 65 million year old dinosaur feces. You figure you'd find some kind of like in the cave where Bigfoot lived well, and like some hermit Bigfoot dies. He's very polite. He covers yes. up his, his pit toilet. He hides it. Yeah, maybe Bigfoot has a pit toilet. I never even thought about that. Huh? Um, but so the, the idea that they slip in back and forth between dimensions or somewhere else, or that there's just something. Um, that they they walk through a portal and that's where they are and and that's why you see them and that's why they're you know, you can't find any bones or anything and their bathroom is on the other side of the portal right that's, that's where the, why that's where the little bigfoot's room is <laughs> <laughs> and 
And so I, there was a couple of interesting theories. You know, I like the fact that Joe's not judgmental about anything. I like the fact that he, um, he keeps an open mind. And in the end, he doesn't even have an opinion. You know, it's not, he's not like, oh, Bigfoot's totally real or Bigfoot's yeah, totally fake. Yeah, he's a reporter. Yeah. Reporting what he sees and what he's experienced. And probably we're not going to know that Bigfoot's real until Bigfoot shows up and has a press conference. Uh, maybe at the Harry and the Hendersons 2 premiere, we'll finally get <laughs> that right. Bigfoot disclosure we've been dreaming about. But it was funny. We had the conversation. We bring in the CIA. We bring in the, um, the Department of Natural Resources. We bring in the government. The idea that there could be Bigfoot disclosure as well as UFO disclosure. I never even thought about Amazing. that. Amazing. Oh, my God. The government's keeping it from us. It just made me laugh to think about that. All right. So, you know, the obsessive search for Bigfoot today and the people who are obsessed with it, like Joe talks about a guy that, you know, he spends all of his money on like that every dollar, like his house might be falling apart, but he'll spend it on Bigfoot hunting equipment. It's that distraction, that obsession that I think, um, you know, we've been thinking about a place to put this particular song in a podcast for a while now. And so we thought this one would be perfect. Wendy, what song is it? It is the Heidegger Paradox. Okay. And this is one we always have to explain anyway. Yes. Um, just in case you I haven't had that. if you haven't had Philosophy 101, Heidegger, Martin Heidegger, H-E-I-D-E-G-G-E-R, was a philosopher who basically said that we're dealing with existential dread. Existential dread is the fact that what's the meaning of life? We're going to die. And it, it's the knowing. It's the we're going to die. So what's the meaning? What's the point? We distract ourselves with some kind of obsession, whether it be sports or whether it be Bigfoot or whether it be partying and music, which is what this song is about. We distract ourselves from that knowledge that we're going to die. And it's in finding that distraction is how we learn how to live. And that's the paradox because it takes knowing that we're going to die in order to live our lives to the fullest. Indeed. Man. So well, let's hear the song. Yeah, so that's why uh, this particular song we thought would be perfect in people's obsession with finding Bigfoot. Here is Sunspot and the Heidegger Paradox. Class to 
for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Holy crap, don't forget our patrons. What? I never forget them, Mike. I think about them every single day, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm thinking about them right now. <sighs> and so when we think about our patrons, we think about how they're the coolest people we know. And number one, we want to thank our man Ned. Ned, big, big foot thanks to you. Woo, we're going to see Ned at the release party this weekend. I Hell think. yeah, we are. And to all our other patrons, a big feat. Yes. Round, we are, we're clapping our big feet in a round we're of applause them. for you. Yeah, stomping our big feet for you. <laughs> anyway, if you're interested in becoming a Patreon community, in checking out the, the little factoid videos uh, that we were talking about, our Instagram posts, we got blog posts and show notes and episodes and songs that come out every single week for your listening pleasure. If you're interested in supporting that, oh, I forgot the website. Wendy, where can they find it? It's so easy, Mike. It's right at othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Oh, that is way too easy. We'll see you there, Mm. guys. Give me your best Bigfoot roar. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try doing mine. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Is there a big foot near me?